two, one. Certainly had a weak market from 10 a.m. on on Friday. We had a weak close in week after hours. So we're coming in down 20. Wrong. The bulls are up overnight. We're up 14 handles, but will it hold? Earnings starting this week and earnest tomorrow. Tim Quas coming on at 8.35 to discuss what's said on his radar. It's a tricky Monday, but you're here on Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, investors. Let's hope everyone is relaxed and refreshed and ready to go for another week of market activity. As I said, S&P starting in the green, almost 15 handles here at 43.72, just off the pre-market high. Uh, A weakness a little bit in the buck. That's down 18 cents at uh, 106.26. Man, the bonds are either up a point or down a point. Well, they're down a point and a quarter today at one. Uh, 111 and 17.30 seconds. Crude hanging out near the high of the move, but down 11 cents, 87.57. Gold, after that monster day on Friday, giving back 1370, 1927.80. Silver in the red by 17.5 cents at 22.72. And Bitcoin waking up here, up $1,000 at 27,845. Let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, I guess we could start with uh, Friday's price action. And sure. for you, that doesn't end until 8 p.m. Anything interesting in the after hours? Well, we'll, we'll go into that in a second. But first, some housekeeping stuff here. I mean, come on. We got to talk. Oh, it. yeah. Come oh, on. Yeah. The D. Oh, yeah. Are we yeah. winning the Super Bowl or what? Are we winning a Super Bowl? Well, <laughs> we'll just have to no. go. No. For the horse. Money Mitch in the background here. Not the Lions fan. But give us. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. When the last time was a year we started 5-1? and 5-1. and one. Well, I can tell you when we started undefeated. And that actually happened in 1980. That was my seat beginning of my senior year in high school. And that's when the famous song came out, Another One Bites the Dust. And I think they started out 6-0 and or 7-0. and And then they lost like six games in a row. I know. I know. Uh, I'm scared. Now- I'm like waiting for the letdown, Joel. You're just waiting. As a Lions fan, you know it's always coming. It's just a matter of when Money Mitch nods in agreement. Yes, the letdown is coming. No, no, but I man, got a better it's question. A fun few weeks here. I think the the chat has a better question. At least I'm going to blame it to Jesse. I won't say it came from me, but is that the same shirt from yesterday, Dennis? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I wore it last night for the game, and I'm like, I put it right back on there. Same I'll put it right t-shirt. back on, baby. That's how it goes. <laughs> okay. Baby. So we have a They always give me heat for that, the chat, when I don't change my shirt. I always get heat uh, for that. Hey, you know what? I, I can't tell if it smells or not. 
Uh, I, but uh, DK in the chat, I think DK <laughs> gets a gets a free uh, subscription to pre market prep because uh, I, I noticed it too. And Dennis, I asked you, I sent the picture. Uh, did show anybody? It. Did anyone see Raz in his blue? So, uh, can you show it, Mitch? It's on your phone. Show this right, picture. All right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we got to see this guy. Yeah, hold on. It was just I. It was just for a second. We're getting ready to sit down. Money to dinner. Mitch is gonna bring it up. Yeah. No, can we show I, it on the big screen? Of course, we could show it on the big screen. Who's Look at that this. guy? Look at that. Who's that guy? Zinger, hanging out. baby. Look at the tongue. Look at that. Oh, uh oh. We may get fired for this one with the That's tongue. Raz. <laughs> he's there. He's on TV. The Raz, man. Josh, don't forget about Josh. Yeah, Josh is there. The Josh is the one that gave me Microsoft back when it was 130. Josh he's is the, a good stock picker. He's the celebrity here. It's oh, Josh. Yeah. Josh is I think it was 130 man. or 140. He's like, I like that Microsoft. I'm like, Josh, I like it too. And I bought it that day, and it was almost a double for me. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Rasnick. Yeah, uh, Michigan pulled out a good victory. But if we talk about sports too much, they, we're gonna yeah, know, they're trouble. We're going to get in trouble here. We got a few sports fans out there. <laughs> okay. Half of the chat loves it, and half the chat is like, start talking stocks or I'm leaving. <laughs> leaving. Okay, leaving. okay, 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 okay. All right, let, let, let's let's take it to the University of Michigan. Was that what knocked us down on Friday? Because it seems like a drop in confidence yeah, it was. alongside it was. inflation expectations came in in the middle of the day and really hit the market hard. Um, we were pointing towards the TLT and the Magnificent 7 or the Elite 8. Um, what about that relationship now? How's that? How's that looking, Dennis? Um, it's still leading and still, we saw a lot of action there on Friday, but today it's giving it back here again. I mean, we are in a chop fest. We are in a chop zone here. The S and P's I still think are in a chop zone. You know, we were looking, oh yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. People polls are on yeah. TV talking about all time highs by the end of the year. And then the rug pull. That's what happens. I hope it doesn't have blinds. Then the rug pull. So we're popping a little bit here today. But again, remember, TLT drives the bus. It is down here today. It mm -hmm. would not surprise me if this market stock starts to leak because TLT will drive this bus. If TLT remains down on the day, I don't think the stocks hold on their gains. I'd be a seller of this rally. And yeah, I just want to just make one other point before we Mitch. I don't know we got a, a lot mm -hmm. of news to cover, but uh, you know it, it was a it was a funky week last week, and yeah. uh, you know over the weekends, you know I I like to you know to take a look at the perspective on the weekend. We had that down Monday, right? And uh, so I just looked at where or we opened down on Monday, but we ended up rallying, and and I like to look at things on a weekly perspective. So we opened lower. We were up pretty good on the week. It's, you know, uh, up over 60 handles at one point. And we had to sell off on Friday. And when I looked at the low of the day on Friday in the S&Ps, I don't know if this correlated to a lot of your stocks, but it was right near that closing price from last Friday. It was like the bull stood up and, and they ended up winning the week. So even though it was a week close, a week after hours, I was like, ah. Uh, it was kind of a win for the Bulls. And yeah. uh, right now, we're kind of. I'm not saying major. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying it was kind of on a weekly basis. We're leaking as we speak here. But just, you know, your closing prices, maybe your Friday closing prices or your week, you know, which would be your weekly or your monthly are a little bit more relevant numbers. Uh, but if you're looking at your stocks, you're kind of 
kind of like, I don't know about the price action. Look, look where they were last Friday. Look where they closed on Friday. And that will give you a good indication of perhaps where they're heading in this week. All right, Mitch, let's go to the news. Let's let's take a look at uh, the bank action on Friday, right? We had major earnings come in. They were significantly up in the pre-market and, of course, getting stuffed out to the open. What do you guys think about that action? Can the banks come back here? Was it just a little bit of over-exuberance off the earnings? Well, the funny or- thing was the banks actually held up for a long time on Friday. It was like three, four hours, and we're all waiting for the rug pull because it always happens. And then finally, with a couple hours to go in the day, yes, the eventual rug pull does happen. Inevitably, the rug pull does happen, and mm-hmm. that's what we saw. Uh, JP Morgan, maybe the best example here, was up all morning. Finally, giving back the majority of its gains by the end of the day. Citigroup, I believe, ended up going red. It was up at one point almost $2. Gave it all back here. And then the other one that reported was Wells, I believe. Wells held on. Wells is still holding on here today. But again, the banks, is just so much overhead supply here. And then we do have one. That, did Schwab report here yet? We're still waiting for Schwab. We're waiting on that. Are they what? out? I see it down. Uh, it now. Might it was be. up earlier. They Maybe might they be. came out. They might yeah. be. They might have done it while we were. I think able they to... might have came out when we started at eight o'clock. Yeah, they did. Eight o one. Yeah, came out right at eight o'clock or in the butt. Let's take a look at it. Let's go right to the start. Sure. Uh, Charles Schwab Q three adjusted EPS coming in here at seventy seven cents, beating the seventy five cent estimate. Sales of four point six one billion missed the four point six three billion estimate. Of course. Where do you guys see me looking at? You guys see me looking at Benzinga Pro, of course. You guys can get your two-week trial and keep up with all the news. Just check out uh, pro.benzinga.com. Get your two-week trial today. What do you guys think about this Schwab action? It's not great. I mean, the stock is oversold. So the report was fine, 77 versus 75. Slight miss on sale. So there isn't much from the report here. It was trading up ahead of it. The $50 is your major level here. The bigger problem that I have for Schwab is that we are getting perilously low um, from where we were, obviously. But, you know, when we're talking about Schwab having problems, $45, $50, we're not far away from there. So everybody who chased this thing back in July and August and September is now underwater as well. So it's full of overhead supply full of people who have lost their money coming in here and attracted to the 1.96% dividend, which isn't very good in a 5% environment. And banks just have a lot of risk. So I think if you get any type of a rally, it's just a relief rally and probably doesn't hold. Yeah, uh, just going to the upper. uh, Oh, actually, I got my daily down here. Is that messing you guys up? Because uh, should I do the old switcheroo and put the daily back up here? Uh, no, I'm not because it's gonna take You're some good. time. Uh, on earnings, this was an earnings pop. Look at that, just a couple days afterwards. So let's see if we get a similar, you know, pattern on the downside here. I love the fifty dollar level. Dennis gave you forty nine sixty six is your uh, six day low. So if you can, you know, open up, hold fifty, create a bid, hang out here a little bit. Market turns a little bit favorable. Um, I like it. I don't think you're whooshing right down to the low of the move here, but we'll keep an eye on that. 4966 to 50. We're almost back and unchanged on the session. So the buy the dippers are out there already. Apple's new iPhone is performing mm. poorly in Chinese markets compared to its competition. Analysts attributing this decline to weak consumer demand and the glowing competition from companies like Huawei and sales of iPhone 15 have fallen by 4.5% in the first 17 days after its release, as reported by CounterPoint Research, making it one of Apple's worst debuts in China since around 2018. 
if these initial estimates hold true, it's not looking good here, at least internationally, for Apple. Did they figure out the iPhone 15, the hot issue? Did they figure that out? How to like, did they give a software update and stop that thing from getting hot? Because um, I know my wife's in the market for a new iPhone, and right away you're looking, oh, this thing's got a heater problem. Like, well, maybe we'll just pass on that one. I mean, that could affect the upgrade cycle, just the psychology of not wanting to own a, a phone that might burn my house down. So, did they figure out that hot issue? Do we know? Chat, you can help me out with it here too. Because I think that's a major issue for them on this upgrade cycle. A phone that burns your house down. Well, we don't want that. We're not saying that people take that out of context, but I was a okay. joke. But I'm saying okay. the phone gets hot. Yeah. So we know yeah. that the phone gets hot. And people do think hot phone may burn my house down. People are scared of that. So, yes, pretty brown eyes. And the chat says, yes, they did send out an update. Yeah. It appears that hopefully, you know, that problem is solved. Uh, JJ says they just put the ice, the iPhone in ice cold water overnight, and then it's okay. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, I'm just... somewhat concerned on this quarter. I've been telling you, I'm concerned about the quarter. I'm concerned about the upgrade cycle, that it might not be as good as Dan Ives thinks it's going to be. So I'm somewhat concerned. We love you, Dan Ives, by the way. Um, I don't know. You know where I'm at on Apple. I'm concerned. The only thing going for it, it has low debt compared to its market cap, and those companies have held up better in this rising interest rate environment, but 28 times, 29 times earnings. Phone gets too hot. Maybe those, maybe they've solved that issue. China issues. Lots of issues here to pay 29 times earnings. Is, in my... is it is it enough issues? To, uh, and I don't have the exact earnings date in front of me, but you think this is going to put a little damper on a, on a pre-earnings run, you know, two or three days? I know it's Probably not. Bit... What, what day yeah. of the report, Money Mitch? Yeah, uh, I should, towards I the end of the month. Up. Yeah, we, we looked it up while. once. What about a week away? Yeah, I think yeah. it's still a ways out there. I think I have the November second, so we're still a little ways. Oh, you that. still got a ways away. Uh, I, well, it filled the gap. I mean, you got a prayer on third. Your prayers were answered on Thursday. You had the gap down day from uh, the initial China news, and you filled it by a nice margin. A lot of times. When you fill those gaps, you go you go into reverse, and that's what you're doing now. It just feels like, at, you know, so goes the market, so goes Apple. If this market, you know, can somehow, you know, mount a nice rally in the S&Ps, which I'm not super optimistic about, you know, then I think Apple could get back. But until you establish a strong bid over 180 in this one, uh, I, you know, I think sellers had the edge, or at least after this, like, 8, 9, 10-day run, so... Keep an eye on your pre-market low, and uh, your pre-market low comes in at uh, seventy-five, eighty-four. So you already got a nice bounce. Currently trading one seventy-seven thirty-two. Qatari investors withdrawing bid from Manchester United. So uh, looks like more trouble ahead for Manchester United. They've been trying to do this deal for seems Too like a uh, year long. now. It seems like um, uh, when was that first pop? Um, the first pop we have on at least the charts, it seems like around November of last year. So we're almost to like a year of that rumor being out. Um, what do you guys think about this? Will they ever get this sold? And if they do get it sold, will it be for a lot lower? I think they've held out too long. I think there was a buyer there. I think they held out for too long. And I think that's the issue here now. And now the buyers are gone. So, you know, U.S. Steel, be careful because, you know, you hold out for too long. Eventually, all the buyers leave on you. We're not in this like in, in an environment here where everything is booming and everybody's paying huge premiums for everything here either. You got to consider the macro environment. It is not great. 
So I'm worried that U.S. still could end up in the same boat. But Manchester United for so long, which seemed like it went on forever, when stock popped from 14 into the mid-20s, the price is somebody's going to buy them. Somebody, then there's all kinds of people sniffing around. Well, no offer ever, you know, no that no deal ever materialized here, and now the stock has given it back. So I just think it's a, it's a, you know, when I look at U.S. Steel and it's up over 10 points from where it was trading before all the rumors started, I think it's like a ring the register moment for U.S. Steel too, just to say, hey, because if a deal doesn't go through, there's a lot of risk here, and maybe just maybe the premium isn't going to be as good as you think it's going to be. And what about what else has changed in the macro environment, which could be a big uh, a big thing in a deal if uh, if you're not paying old cash? I mean, when they started doing the financing, Finance. the, yeah, financing. So that huge you know, that, deal. Yeah, that that puts on you know that changes your you know your P and L and your balance sheet and when that you know when you're going to make the money on it. So I mean, with me just being a you know a fader, you know, on this man, you I don't know if there's anybody interested, but you know, if you've been short this for a long time, it's taken out the recent low of the move. Uh, you had a low at 18 bucks. So, you know, just being a contrarian on this one, I have absolutely no idea to, uh, whether low actually got to $17, under $17. So a little bit of an overshoot. Let's see if buyers come in today. Bio and tech stock saw a pre-market drop after the biotech company announced potential write-offs up to 900 million in the third quarter linked to its COVID vaccine. This follows a similar report from partner Pfizer, who reduced its full year 23 revenue and earnings outlook due to lower than expected COVID product sales following a supply deal amendment with the U.S. government. In the response to these developments, HSBC downgrading BioNTech to hold rating and lowering its price target to 111, while Jeffries coming in here and upgrading Pfizer to buy and raising their price target to 39. Um, just the same thing that the COVID vaccines, people aren't getting them, not nearly as the rate that they were, the people who are getting them are older. I mean, there's just not a lot of people getting the vaccines anymore. So the sales are going to plummet for all of these things. Writing has been on the wall. It's why my Pfizer stock has pretty much given back its entire thing. Obviously I didn't consider how much revenue they were getting from those COVID shots. When I originally bought this thing in the mid forties, it's $32, $31.75. I feel like most of it is priced in here now for Pfizer, but BNTX and Moderna, I don't know if most of it's priced in because they get a lot more proportion of their revenue from those shots. And if people aren't getting as many shots, that's trouble. So not a fan of the BNTX or the Moderna. The Pfizer has been a dog, but I do think a lot of it's already priced in for Pfizer because they got a lot of money from elsewhere. Uh, look at it, uh, the action here. I don't know what happened on Friday. This thing went to 2933. It was the release, Joel. I actually got run oh, over on Friday. that. So oh, I yeah, could yeah, tell okay. you exactly what happened because gotcha. it came out with that news dump on Friday. Obviously, you know, the guidance and all this crap. Okay. And, with the, and I was like, holy cow. And I got run right over on it. It has come back because Pfizer falling, you know, 15% on there this. We go. This is Pfizer 1. This isn't, you know, a small company. It's a huge pharmaceutical company, which has already been punished severely for their COVID. That's why the stock is low, as low as it is, because less people getting the jab. I'm not supposed to call it the jab, but less people getting the COVID shot. So, I mean, yeah, and it got down to $29. It feels like a, a, a ma- yeah. massive overshoot to the downside. So it's come back here. 
this feels more right. I don't know if I'm coming out and buying more of this. This has been, you know, a, a terrible stock in my long-term portfolio. I've got, you know, I used to at one point in time, I had a hundred stocks in my long-term portfolio. I think I have about 24 or 25 now. This is one of them and it's not a good one. There's sometimes. Uh, yeah. go ahead, oh, Mitch. go ahead, Joel. No, I was just looking because I looked at 16 and I see the low of the day and then I, it was it was after hours. I would just do a reset on Friday's low here since you are almost a buck above it. See if the institutions step up at 31. Uh, they did over the last couple uh, over the last eight, nine sessions. But you need to build a build a bid at 31 before we turn this thing higher. Build a bid, build a bear. There's, there's sometimes we talk about stocks and I feel like we get them dead right. But Joel, Dennis, I think we really need to start thinking about sometimes even long-term shorts because I think we've been on top of this company for a long time. Novavax is facing delays oh after gaining European Union approval for their updated COVID-19 vaccines. The European Medicines Agency, the EMA, which initially scheduled to approve the vaccine on October 13 has postponed their decision as they're requesting additional information for a thorough review of the final verdict on the new vaccine targeting the XBB variant will now take up to four weeks to be released. This Novavax is just an epic disaster. We have hated this stock forever because they took two years to get their vaccine out. By the time they got their vaccine out, the pandemic was over. So this stock is deserved. I have said on this show when the stock was a lot higher than this, that I believe this is eventually a zero. Um, I'm going to still stay with that here. Is there hope? Is there other things? Potentially, but I still believe, and I don't know I have a crystal ball. I could be wrong, but I believe that NVAX will be bankrupt. That is my prediction. Could you have any worse possible news for this stock? I mean, you're working. It's not down much on it because it's already, know. you know, what was the all time high on this thing? It's too much more to come down. For, yeah, for the people who bought at 300, it's basically as bankrupt. You're never getting that money back. It's now 98% from the highs, $331 back when they had hoped that they would eventually get their vaccine out and that hope was dashed. So yeah. they have a vaccine now. whoop de doo da day. The pandemic is over. You know what, Dennis? They pulled this trick before, and that's why I was always wary of this stock. Back in 2015, I don't know what it was. Was that SARS? What was it in the middle of 15? They had some kind of wonder drug. Maybe it cured cancer and baldness or something. But that thing went to 300 yeah. and then came back down. Uh, anyway, so it's uh, BN, BNTX, which is uh, partners with Pfizer on the uh, vaccine. They're taking a hit, too. I mean, they're a little bit more of a one-trick pony than Pfizer is, so I think you got to be careful on this one. Your August low in BNTX at ninety-five fifty. So if you wanted to buy it at ninety-five fifty before in August, uh, well, you may get another shot at it. I have to listen a little bit more to even ourselves on pre-market prep. We that, do. That could have been a, a big gainer there, and uh, one that you could just sit on. Let's Locked take a look. Short. Long-term puts, whatever, however you want to do it. But that yeah. stock, we, yeah. we call some stuff right. We call some stuff wrong. I didn't get Pfizer right, but I got that one right. Novavax should have been just short them all. Hey, Lulu Athletica will replace Activision in the S&P 500. And the S&P Midcap 400 hub will replace uh, Oregon uh, OGN in the S&P 500. So hub coming in here and Lulu going in. Activision on the out. What do you guys think about this? Will Lulu continue the climb? I, I just want to know 
because Friday was a pretty ugly day for a lot of stocks. Lululemon was nonstop bid all day on Friday. It was at yeah. one point up seven or eight dollars on no news. And I'm like, what's the news on Lulu? I kept asking, <laughs> is there news on Lulu? Um, and nobody was giving me any news. Maybe I missed something. After hours was bid up as well. I'm like, what is there news on Lulu? And then 515, boom, added to the SP. I'm like, holy. I'm like, Obviously, I didn't get the memo. A lot of the market didn't get the memo, but it seemed like somebody got the memo. I'll just leave it at that. But that just ticks me off when I see stuff like that. Stocks bid all day and then boom, added to the S&P at 515. Stock is up 6%. I got run over in it, so I'm pissed off about that too. Um, you know, obviously, I've covered it now. You have to cover because it's, 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 it's into the S&P. It was an overnight trade. Um, but I just can't believe that that stock was nonstop bid and then that news comes out. Historically, this is the kind of things that have uh, happened with stocks is they get the initial surge, they kind of hang a day or two, and then if they're going to continue, they continue. But man, if you've been waiting to sell this thing over 400 bucks, you did have four highs over 400 uh, back in early September. So if this was your target and you wanted 400 and it's here, I would take it. If you want to hold out for more and you think you're just going to keep buying this thing, then fine. But I think uh, I think you got a gift here. It's up on pretty good volume. But, man, if you had, like, if you took a shot on, like, the 380 calls or something on Friday or, you know, or 390 calls and you're getting this kind of windfall, oh, yeah. boy, I, I, I – I, I, it's the, hard for me. Historically, these are not buys. We've said this argument already. Historically, we can look at Airbnb put into the S&P 500, lifted for a couple weeks after. So they don't necessarily go down right away. But after about six days, it started to leak. And again, overall market. Now we're well below that. We also had Blackstone was another one, BX, lifting from 104 up to 111, 112, 115, going to the S&P. Now it's back down here at 103. So historically, these are usually selling opportunities when they get added to the S&P. And we know we're not in a bull market here, folks. We are in a bear market. I will continue to say it. Bears remain in control because spikes keep getting sold. With that being said, Lululemon is best of breed, best of breed in retail. There always seems to be a nonstop bid. So maybe it was just coincidental as Friday's pricing action. I don't know. But I just found it curious that it was bid up all day and then that news came out. Yeah, and then uh, the big kahuna of this was Penn. When Penn got added, oh, that was uh, the absolute top. Penn uh, was it in the S and P five hundred or the or one of the other? Oh, was it? But uh, I can't remember if it was into the big one. But when Penn got added, it was the absolute top. Insider sale coming in on trade desks, and um, I have to say, uh, this president, director, CEO, I think you might know a little bit of some technicals. Let's take a look here. Green Jeffrey Terry uh, selling. 10% plus sells 175,250 shares between the dates of October 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. Uh, the, the average price was 85.14. Um, it was multiple transactions between 84.88 to 85.87. One thing that I could say is, man, this guy drew a trend line and hit it to the <laughs> hit it to the nail. <laughs> Technical analysis over here hit it right on the day that it went to the resistance, the 11th. That's when he started hitting it. It was hitting that 80, 85, 86 level resistance right there on a trend line. So I don't know. This guy might have his CMT. I might have to look him up. Stock is getting hit. Chat's making an interesting point. I did not know that. But they said that the Lululemon was floating around on Twitter too. Rumors that it was going to get added. But they also said 
Trade Desk was rumored to be potentially added to, and Trade Desk did not. That, I, I think they're correct, actually, because obviously, you know, you get the insider sale hitting this down. But I did notice this move at 5.15.2, and it moved to the downside. So maybe when they chose Lululemon that this one. So maybe, in any regard here, it sounds like it leaked. It sounds like, you know, somehow the Lululemon news leaked. But there was other rumors that, you know, Trade Desk was going to get added to, and it did not, is what the chat is saying. And I think that's, I think that's correct. Because Plan B is saying, and I, I agree, Plan B. I saw it tank down. And Joel, if you look at the chart, you can see right at 515 when that announcement yeah. happened. And it wasn't Trade Desk. Hmm. That TTD went down. So I think you guys are correct. So obviously, there was rumors flying around that there was going to be some S&P ads. Um, Lulu in, Trade Desk not in. Yeah, three highs right there in the same area. That's history, though, because we're down 344. But we got to try and do is uh, see if there's a bottom in this thing. 75.89 is your pre-market low, so you're buck off that. Uh, I don't have – we have anything on the dailies here? Yeah, I'll give, you know, 76. Just the fact that it was 85 on Friday, now 76. I think looking at that with the pre-market low. And then the other thing to note, this was a notable sale. Like this wasn't, you know, this was a lot of stock. Yeah. It was what, te- you know, in, in plus you know, 10%. So. Yeah. Cause sometimes they, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I have to sell, you know, I yeah, got to pay my quarter, those tax quarterly sales. taxes or my kid wants a new car or new house or new yacht yeah. or something. Yeah. But this was a big sale and yeah, it was. Great, great timing on it. So we'll see if it can hold in here at the $76 area. Goldman Sachs coming in with an interesting upgrade today on D.R. Horton to buy, but lowering the price target to 131. This is interesting to me because they have been struggling. Of course, we know Warren's in this space. Um, D.H. Horton was one of the ones he went after. Um, I've got to get the list of all three, but uh, I'm going to grab that right now. What do you guys think about this? And could these stocks get a lift? Um, I'm short DHI, uh, but I'm long other home builders. So actually, no, I'm short a couple of them here. So it's not going well for me on this one. <laughs> Tough day, man. <laughs> Run over to Lulu and then Goldman's running me over too. So, um, overnight trade, I'll probably eat the loss here at some point in time. Um, it's up because Goldman's upgraded it, but I also think the TLT weighs on this. Um, yeah. TLT rates not helping this. So I think it's a gift. I think Goldman is wrong talking my book to a certain extent here but again like i said i will cover this today so these are this was in my short-term trading portfolio i i think you got one heck of a pullback in here and i think you could do this on d.a chorton you can do it on toll brothers whatever you want to look at you have a move from 130 to almost 100 bucks that's a 30 point move now you got a catalyst to perhaps send it higher Keep an eye on like your daily highs, but like the longer this takes to get back like a third of the move, a half of the move would be like, you know, 114, 115. The more I think you just have a little pop up and just roll over again, because that that was a big fall from Grace. Only traded a couple thousand shares here at 106.19. That's not even yesterday, uh, two day high. Keep an eye on that. If this is like everyone's like, whoo, Goldman knows everything. They're going to take this thing to 107.28. They're going to take that out. And then there's a double top at 109.25. 
Uh, we'll let you guys know. I'm working on a big report that I'm going to be involving construction in. Um, working on it with the regional bank action to show the most exposure to commercial real estate. Stay Ooh, tuned, I guys. Like this. That's going to be coming the later in the week. I did a lot of research on the weekend on this. I literally went through almost like 50 sources to get my information. So get ready, guys. That's going to come out later in the week. I'm going to start nice. trying to do some more deep dives reports if we're looking into an area might as well get you guys all the information for that. Uh, but DHI, I'm going to look for a little bit of an undercut towards 100. Um, it's definitely extreme on the RSI, RSI down to 16.69. A historical RSI for me, anything closer towards 12 on DHI, I'll be looking for reversals to start coming in. So this looks interesting for me. I have no problem playing this. Warren likes these. I think he sees that they're going to push into oversupply in the market because the truth is, is that I know that it might seem like these houses aren't going to get sold at these levels, but I think they're going to figure it out. The home builders will figure it out. They'll push. They'll, they're going to do a, a lot of construction. And then eventually we might see some housing issues after that. But for right now, the undersupply in the market will actually give these guys the advantage here to start building and building and building. That's what I expect. We'll to look hear. forward to that report there much. All right, let's get to the next one here. Uh, Rite Aid filing Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in New Jersey. The company has been grappling with slow sales, mounting debt, lawsuits, of course, uh, off of the op opiate epidemic. Uh, revenues have fallen to $5.65 billion, down from $6.01. Net loss widening to $306.7 million. Um, what do you guys think about this? Will they even be able to hang on here? And we know how bankruptcy sometimes push these stocks up. So I wouldn't be so much coming in here as a bear because I'm, I'm worried about potential just spikes up. I mean, it's 60 cents and it coming in short in a stock for the last 60 cents because stuff like that. They don't uh, bankruptcy. Write this down. Bankruptcy doesn't necessarily mean the stock goes to zero. It doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of stocks go bankrupt. They don't go to zero. I don't short 60 cent stocks because they have a whole problem. But I'm telling you, man, this is not like your long-term investment. I'm scared. I've said WBA, I feel like, could go the way of Rite Aid eventually. I feel like there's major problems here. Everybody's attracted to the huge dividend, 8.22% in WBA. I'm scared, though, man. I don't see it much difference. I think CBS is best of breed. CBS continues to hold up while it's actually up to down if there's news on that. But um, if I was going to own any of them, it would only be CBS, but I don't need to own any retail. So I don't want to own any retail. And I am like just against retail stocks right now, because if they would go into a slowdown, a lot of these retail stocks besides Amazon, you know, Amazon could get hit too, but I basically Amazon, I'd rather own Amazon than any of them. All right. It's all silent. <laughs> Let's take a look at these earnings. Um, earnings coming in this week. It's a big, big Ooh, earnings week. Wow. In a second, we're going to get into, of course, market structure edge. So stick around, guys. Tim Quas coming in here pretty soon. But I just wanted to take a quick little preview of what's coming this week, right? To, on Tuesday, we'll get like Johnson Johnson, some more banking action, Goldman Sachs, right? Afternoon, we'll get a little bit of some airlines look into. Then Wednesday is the big day of the week, right? PG. ASML in the mornings. Then, of course, the Tesla Dragon and Netflix. What's on your guys' radar this week? What are you guys looking for? I mean, tomorrow we get Goldman and Bank America. Those are big. Johnson Johnson is usually a non-event. Doesn't move that much usually on earnings. The big, the big kahuna 
is going to be Tesla. There's no doubt we're all looking to Tesla. Netflix as well. But Tesla is the big kahuna this week, Wednesday afternoon. Everybody wants to know what's happening. It is down today, Money Mitch. Was there uh, news here? I'm just looking at Tesla um, down, trading down about two and a half bucks here. Well, Bucking China was down pretty good there. Looks like a look there. I know China was getting hit this I morning. feel like there's a headline here, though, on I'm looking, on I'm Tesla. looking. Yeah, I didn't go looking either. I just noticed it down. So, again, it's the weekend here, so we don't know everything. Price target lowered. Piper Sandler to 290 that might be a catalyst here. So Piper talking cautiously to a certain extent here on Tesla. Again, that's still higher than it is right now, but they did lower their price target. Not sure if that is the only reason or if there's other news. Chat's usually good with this too, but that's what I'm seeing just jump out at me as the, uh, yeah, the not, Piper. Not seeing lowered much price there. target. Piper lowered price target. That could do it. You know what? You know what I think about earnings this week? What do you think, Joel? Uh, I think nothing. I think the geopolitical situation, it's I mean, it's stocks are going to move according to their earnings, you know, and they're up and down the gyrations. But I think until you see, I mean, uh, you know, there's different factors that going into the market. And I yeah. think right now this geopolitical situation is something that is uh, very, very important to the market from so many different perspectives, from yeah. oil to yeah. China to yeah. Russia yeah. to supply chains i mean so i mean you can play your earnings runs and everything i just wouldn't look for you know as as much as important as you had if you didn't have these global macro events going on. i'm yeah. with you joel i mean there's a lot of things to worry about here in this market i still think like and i'm looking here this morning and seeing a nice little rally and i think ah, oh, what can i sell i naturally am right now and again, this is the way and it's been working. It's like I see the markets going up and I think, what can I sell? Everybody still has this inclination when they see the market going up. They're just like, oh, they like it. And, you know, they see their portfolio go up. But when they see the market go down, they're like, what can I buy? I mean, long term, that's not a bad strategy. But short term, it is not working. It hasn't worked for a couple of years here really now. Bears still remain in control. It worked in January, February, March, and April. But May started to turn this market around. And you know, and a lot of stocks just haven't participated. So you've got so much unknown risk out there, Joel. To your point, we don't know where we're going. We don't know if these wars are going to, you know, escalate. We don't know if there's going to be more countries that join in. That's the biggest fear here. So oil probably has underneath demand just from those unknown risks. We can see the defense uh, contractors like Lockheed Martin, NOC, General Dynamics continue to go up. So they, they're predicting more hostility, obviously, and more war here. So... Lots of unknown. Sometimes war can be good for stocks, but again, just this right situation. I mean, I cannot get bullish stocks until the TLT gets a sustained bid. You know, it looks a little bit like it gets light for a couple of days, then they pull the rug out. Then it gets light for a day, then they pull the rug out. I think you just got to continue to be cautious here, playing a cautious stance if you're a long-term investor. I'd be a long-term, you can buy a little bit, but at the same time, you've got to be somewhat cautious here in this market. All right, As guys. A trader, let's... I would say. Let's keep it objective. Let's get to Market Structure Edge. All right, Tim Quast, how are we doing today? Happy Monday. I know I had a case of the Mondays this morning, so I need you to wake me up. <laughs> What's going on in the market? What's Market Structure showing us? And how are things going? We also got option expiration this week? We do. Happy Monday, guys. Good to see you guys. Uh, we doing? I, and it was such a lovely weekend here in Denver. I actually got some sun. Ooh, nice. I, it, yeah. yeah. 
out in the sun. It, it, was, uh, it was beautiful. It was a great escape from geopolitics to be out in the beautiful uh, autumn Colorado I miss weather. the nature. I miss the nature life. <laughs> I, I, that I do. Uh, so, to, yes, to, to answer that first, that the, your last question, yes, mm -hmm. options expire this week. And it, and mm -hmm. it tends to, in these, um, not every time, but, but generally, earnings coincide with options expirations. And, uh, and, it, and it's an important thing to keep in mind, if you're a trader, that you can misinterpret what the market is telling you uh, because of the things that can occur around options expirations. And it's, a, you know, it's close to right, right now, technically, the way we measure it, not, not that we want to be uh, guilty of false precision, but about 18.6% of market cap rests on renewing options as we go into the, the, the series that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's not one day. It's really three. And then new options trade next Monday. So you have to think about it as a as a, really a five day event because you want to get past those things. So if you're a trader, beware that things may not work the way you expect. You could see a company report great results and decline, drop sharply. And sometimes it's nothing more than the way derivatives bets reset. I mean, if you're wrong and you let go your whole basket down goes the price and it doesn't make any sense logically. So people have to be aware of those things. Let's take a look at market structure ads. Let's take a look at what the market is showing. Have we peaked on demand? Is short supply increasing here? I know I want to see the graphs. Let's take a look underneath the hood, get into market structure edge. And you guys out there, if you guys want to go ahead and check out market structure edge for yourself, like always, you guys can check it out. Get all the way up to a month trial. Here you guys have the link. Let's take a look at it. Okay. So, well, I would, I would like to highlight two things that I think are important uh, to understand if you're, you know, if you're an active trader. And for those who, who are new to Market Structure Edge, this is all about the rules and the mechanics of the market. That's what it is. Not technical. It's not fundamental. It's looking at supply and demand. Uh, which, I mean, it's the principle underlying everything. It's the principle behind the surge in interest rates. The Fed has, it has sold $800 billion worth of securities over the last year. And I'm thinking, Dennis, I don't know if you think about this, but what a, what a colossal loss that would be from a paper standpoint in imagine? that portfolio. I just cannot imagine. And they they mark them to market? I, I don't know because they, you know, the Fed does not present financials uh, under generally accepted accounting principles. So we don't <laughs> know, right? But to, to lead into supply and demand in the equity market, two things to, to look at. And we, you know, we fully expected a surge for equities because of this. Uh, zooming in, this, this gray part of the graph here is SPY. So it's a proxy for the S&P 500. The green part of the graph that's not nearly as volatile, that's an algorithm that tells us about buying and selling by investors and traders. And uh, when it peaks and begins to decline, the market tends to fall. When it bottoms and begins to rise, the market tends to rise. It can be interrupted by options expirations. That's why it's good to know. Well, here's where we were a, mon a Monday ago, right? Maybe it was two, yeah, two Mondays ago. I think it was two Mondays ago. And I was talking about how, well, I think you want to be in tech uh, because we could look at how tech was recovering. 
the broad market had gotten below that green line. So it's just it's just a quantitative measure. But there's a very high probability that stocks rise off of that. That's what you want to do. You want to capture gains and avoid losses. That's how you that's how you outperform the market by trading the same things that everybody else owns. But if you can capture the gains and avoid the losses, you will outperform. And that's what we're trying to do. So here's where it is now. It's barely back above the green line. It's not above 5.0, the bare yeah. nexus of supply and demand. It has been helped by a decline on the supply side, but it's still 50% short. So I look at this and say, there's a high probability that the demand side peaks right into options expirations. It did that back here in September, right before options expirations. And remember back here, Tesla went from 235 to 276, right into that. But then it plunged again, right? So you that it's very important to know what the supply demand equation is so that you protect yourself, uh, traders. So I look at this and say, that's the risk, Mitch, is that we peak once again, maybe very weakly into options expirations and the supply side reverses. Now, I don't know what it's going to do. Maybe it continues to fall. It stopped falling on Friday, though. And let me show you one other thing. You can interrupt yeah. at any point. No, but by all means. Let's, let's look at SPY. So SPY is, the, is that price proxy. Let's look at the supply and demand in SPY. <laughs> and here is why tech faltered. Tech is a very important part of the S&P 500. The SPY simply tracks it at half the volatility of the average stock. Well, demand is good. It's right at five. That's where you expect SPY to be. SPY should spend a lot of time at five. When it drops below five, be very careful. But look what happened on the supply side. Interesting. We from, yeah, from 46% short, which is very low for SPY because it's a yeah. long trade. I trade leveraged long and short S&P 500 instruments, and it's going to show up. But look at that. We went from 46 to 61% short mm. in one week. And look what it did to the price. So this is, and that's, there's a high inverse correlation between supply and SPY's price, like almost 99%. Tim, do you think <laughs> yeah. this is off the backs of option expiration or more the uncertainty in the macro environment with kind of the geopolitical events? I think it's more about earnings bets. You know, the, the problem with the market is that it's 98% algorithmic, maybe even a little higher than that, Dennis. You might, that's, those are the, you know, I take those figures from what the exchanges tell us about the use of order types. Yeah. And uh, we're right there. Uh, and if 20% of the volume is coming from asset allocation, over 50% from machines just that trade price. So there's 70% of volume isn't thinking about, geopolitical risk unless that's an input in some kind of factor model. So yes, Mitch, I think it's much more about positioning to bet directionally around earnings. But what would this tell you? Uh, you know, you'd look at this and say, because you know, there are high expectations for Q3 earnings, that it could yeah. be record S&P 500 earnings. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'd look at SPY and say, people are not super bullish. And that maybe it doesn't turn out the way that we expect. So these are, that's why you want to know those things in advance, traders. Helps you to protect yourself. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. That could reverse. But if you see that, you want to be cautious. I often av avoid this period entirely 
uh, because I don't like to lose money. Well, let's go what the chat is asking for. They all want to know what's going on in momentum, what's going on in low volatility, <laughs> what should we be looking at? Of course, the chat already knows this, Tim. They're like, yep, <laughs> we're going in those two folders. What's going on in momentum? What's showing up in low volatility? They're not awesome. You know, there are five in momentum. Uh, if you, you This is simply tells which thing has the most uh, recurrence. And so communication services uh, is the top sector, but there are only five. So it could be two, <laughs> communication services, right? So yeah. fast trading is the lead behavior. That's Citadel, Virtu, Hudson River Trading, Jane right. Street, Susquehanna. Those are the firms that are currently dominating the portfolios. Low volatility, seven. I like to see 20 to know that there's momentum. So you have to realize it's going to be more challenging. It's not going to be an easy trade in momentum. Look, I had a great, a great, I had a reasonable week last week. I only traded two days. I made, you know, 1.1%. That's not awesome. Not uh, but, it, but, but it's okay, right? And that was only in the market two days. So from an alpha standpoint, that's very good. A risk-adjusted return of 1.1% with things flat with, and I'm only in the market two days. That's not bad. I'll take that. But I, I prefer 2%. The, so here's what's in it. So you've got one healthcare stock, Edwards Life Sciences. You've got Vertiv, which is it's a terrific stock. I mean, it should be in your long-term portfolio, frankly. Uh, the trade desk, Roblox, Tesla. The mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind is who's reporting earnings. If I had to pick in here right now, I would probably look at because communication services is the leading uh, uh, sector and, and Trade Desk is like a digital advertising platform. So I'd look at this and say demand's very good, supply's falling. Now it's still 45%, but that to me with the big drop on Friday, I have a chance there to make some, make some pretty good money in TTD. Plus it's not reporting until I think November. Uh, whereas Tesla, as you pointed out, Dennis, yeah. Tesla's reporting this week. So yeah. realize you could get caught out. The bets are positive. I look at this and say this steep decline on the supply side is a positive. That's an expectation Tesla's going to rise. But am I going to take that bet? I have been burned doing that. Because <laughs> I don't, yeah. I can't, you know, if maybe Dennis, you can trade outside market hours. I, I don't have a prime broker to do that in my trading account. And I, you could get chop blocked. So I would look at that and say as good as that looks, Man, I wouldn't take it. I'd I'd still sit out. Tim, well, like, just well, to clarify, I just want yeah. to get some clarity because we yeah. always see stocks and momentum filters. Did, yeah. When you, they pop the momentum filters, though, it's showing momentum. Does this necessarily mean that these stocks are going up, though? Or does this just showing momentum? Because some of these stocks are actually, seems like momentum to the downside. Right. Like, it's it's, it's kind of three days. Several of these have dropped for three straight days. So how could you say there's momentum? There's momentum only from this standpoint. There is sharp supply demand divergence and significant volatility. Uh, That's really what we're looking for. We're looking for things that have a probability of moving sharply more than the market. And I don't know if you can see my screen. We look for at least 3% intraday volatility in these stocks. That is, they have a propensity to move from high to low, Every day, 3%. I use it all the time. If if uh, AMD is in that portfolio and AMD drops 2 2.5% and supply and demand are diverging, I buy it because I have a very high – and I traded it probably five times in the last two weeks, and I made great returns, and I really don't care 
whether the price continues to rise. It did move from 100 to 111, right? That's a pretty nice move. And if you can capture some of that using volatility, it's a great way to think about the market. You have to realize, folks, that machines set prices. Machines calibrate their risk. Which stuff is likely to rise? Which stuff is likely likely to fall? I want to be 50% in each so that I'm zero exposed. That's what Citadel is doing. So if we can we can look at what how they set prices. It gives us a chance to make some part of that over a slightly longer time frame than Citadel. You can't beat Citadel, but you can be longer than Citadel. You can have a longer horizon. Maybe it's one, two, three days instead of a horizon of a day or less or 30 milliseconds. And so this can be a great tool to help you know what to do. And I'm patient. I made it. I'll give you an example. I was impatient last week buying SPXL, a leveraged long. When the market declined, and it did several times last week, but I know that the supply-demand equation is up. If it's down 1%, all of SPY's intraday volatility, the probability that before the close, I can make at least half of that is very high. But if I if I'm, I got in too soon, twice, I'm like, oh, it's down mm-hmm. 70 basis points, and I got stopped out. That's uh, down 80 basis points, stopped out, down 100 basis points. I made a whole bunch of money. It was my best day. So it's, a, it's be, be patient about buying volatility. If you're trading VRT with 5.5% volatility, it's better if it's down 3%. If it's down 3% and supply and demand are diverging, the probability you can produce a return is mathematically, we're always relying on math, very high. It's over 70%. So yeah. that's the kind of odds that you want on your, on your side. Yeah, I always say keep the math and probability on your favor. You just might end up yep. into the green. So it's always good to have you, Tim Quas, Market Structure Edge. You guys can check it out. Throw up the link one more time in the chat. Have a great week, Tim. Go enjoy it. We will. 70s all, all, all Fahrenheit nice. all week here in Denver. So we'll enjoy it oh, before Got to enjoy it. Definitely. All right, guys, have a good have one. A week. See you, Tim. All right, let's get back to the markets. Joel, how are we looking here? The old, old mute trick. Old mute trick. <laughs> so like, we're ripping here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> Holy mackerel. We are ripping here. Canceling your offer triple day. No, I mean, it's the trend from this morning. I mean, we had the week close. Uh, we held it. We had a little 4 a.m. dip. I mean, there's not much up here until uh, Friday's high. That's another 27 handles away. That would take uh, uh, a real, uh, you know, I mean, 27 handles is not much in this market. But uh, really, really shugging, shugging things off here. I did notice Pfizer has swung to the green here. That's crazy, eh? Yeah, now trading up 24 cents. So maybe they kitchen synced it with that. Uh, I think Friday. so. I think they kitchen synced it. Yep. Um, and then uh, I saw some chip news, and uh, we probably needed to mention that uh, the administration is moving to close loopholes and AI chip uh, export regulations uh, to China. That's, uh, I mean, we've heard this song before. That's putting a little bit of a damper here on Nvidia, three to down three thirty four. Uh, but NVIDIA is NVIDIA, and you still haven't taken out yesterday's low. I'd see what happens if it gets down to four fifty thirty. Uh, that was the low on, uh, we'll see, what was, no, maybe Friday's low with that, uh, below that. Let me get Friday's low. Friday's low, oh, is actually going to be resistance at 352.80.
I think it's a fabulous selling opportunity this morning. I'll say it again. It's, you know, continuing to go up here. We're up about, you know, six, seven handles from when we started the show, maybe even eight handles. Yeah. I think we've got a good selling opportunity here because when you lift up and you look at the TLT trading down, you look at oil trading higher, you see a lot of like, well, nothing really helped here this morning, but stocks are just getting a relief pop here. Maybe they're a little bit oversold, especially on the IWM, which is sitting down near 52-week lows, 2,000 stocks. Um, so I think you're just bouncing dead cat bounce. I'd be a seller. We'll see what happens in this situation. Of course, a lot of earnings coming in banks will be tomorrow. Definitely kicks off a lot stronger tomorrow. We'll see what happens in that. Uh, anything on your radars guys that you guys are going to be looking at going into the open. Um, just keep it an eye, obviously on those indicators I talk about, you know, does oil turn around and roll over? It's been up all morning here, trading higher here. That's usually bad for stocks, but if stocks are going to stay strong, maybe oil starts to roll over. There is this inverse correlation going there. So keep that in mind. I think one of two things is going to happen. I think oil is going to start rolling over. Or I think the S&Ps are going to roll over. I don't think they're both going to be green when this day ends. Okay. Uh, I mean, we are just having a slow move north here. Uh, I guess the only number, the only real relevant number for me here is uh, Thursday's close. Uh, that came in at uh, 43.80 and a quarter or 43.80 and a half. So you got back your losses from Friday. You're looking okay for Thursday. It just doesn't feel like you have the Jets to get up to uh, uh, Friday's high at uh, 44.07 and a quarter and then see if we can even get into the 44 handle. But uh, signing, signing with you uh, a little bit on this one, Triple D. All right, last one I wanted to get at least Joel's outlook technical is at four stars or five star level on arm for 50. It's an interesting chart right now. It's just very level. hanging on here. What do you think about this, Joel? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you've had the bump, you've had the dump, you've had four lows right in this area uh, from the actual old time low of uh, 49.85, Friday's low. Uh, was right 50 right on the kisser. So good risk-reward ratio, maybe even give it a little bit more room than that. Uh, you know, you just don't want to get stopped out right on the, on the low of the move. But a uh, little bit of a trading range too here. So at the bottom of trading range, I'm not uh, leaning on that area. Friday's high is, is a ways away. So longer it takes to uh, take out Friday's high at 52.56, it's over a buck and a half away. Uh, then, you know, then weighing down and putting more pressure on that $50 level. All right. That's going to do it for us here on pre-market prep. Like always, you guys can catch more right here on Benzinga. Keep up with Joel Alconan, Dennis Dick, the closing print that comes on every single day, 3.30 Eastern. Joel, who will we have on tomorrow? Roggy. Roggy Horner is going to join us from Simpler mm -hmm. Trading. Time for a little voice of reason here. So we'll see what Roggy thinks of the price action over the last week. All right. Getting Joel Alconin out of here. Getting Dennis Dick. Go do what you guys do best. Go Detroit Lions. Yes, they're doing great, guys. Going to get you over now to live trading. Don't go anywhere. And, of course, the Future of Digital Assets event coming to you guys right in November. New York City. Don't miss it, guys.